With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to the Tackling Life podcast with the great Ray Lewis and me, Dr. Christian Conti. It's a success podcast that tackles life through the lessons of sports. Ray, congratulations. This past Tuesday, you were announced as uh, one of the finalists um, for the Hall of Fame. Now they're going to find the final, the actual uh, voting you find out for sure on February 3rd, I believe it is. But congratulations. Hey, Doc, don't make me get emotional. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, first of all, man. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, brother. Um, I am honored to walk into this new year with you. And uh, if 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 people knew what true friendship is between me and you, it's just it's just awesome to be connected to you, man. So and you know what? So it's this kind of theme I've been going with like this whole new year. Right. And I think I'm going to pass it to a bunch of people. You know, in, in this new year, you know, God has released grace and favor it's everywhere and doc the the only real thing that you have to do when you pray is don't pray for things anymore pray for change Mm. because see change change puts you in position to do whatever you're going to do or get whatever you're trying to get but when you pray for things you isolate the blessing. Yeah. And that's what I think when we talk about this blessing of me walking into the Hall of Fame. Let me tell you what I prayed for. I prayed for, I just wanted to say, you know what? I want to see what it feels like, dog. It is so funny. I want to see what it feels like to go back and now sit down and watch my film. I know. I was surprised when you said <laughs> that about you haven't watched it as it appeared on television. You yeah, never. never. You, Never. So guess what? So this week, I, I got to travel this week, but then when I get back where I'm going to be home next week, that's the first thing I said I'm going to do. I was like, I was like, wait a minute. Let me go find out who this guy they talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I mean, I, that's, that's kind of, it's going to be surreal, but you've never seen that. I mean, um, it's interesting because now have you seen, you would, would you watch Sports Center and things like that? Um, I mean, look, if you, if you catch, if, if you catch a highlight, you catch it, you know, of course, you know, when the seasons was going on, you're going to pay attention to what's going on. But far as just a physical game, now nah, you always watch film, you know, right. film is one thing, but just seeing it from an actual TV copy to 
to to I, I tell you one of the things that excited me the most um, that I saw about 30 seconds of one um, when it was in Baltimore and to see the rage and 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 the the energy in Baltimore's oh my gosh in that stadium <laughs> no it's it's bananas and so now when I'm watching it as a fan now I'm like wow right <laughs> and then you know I'm I'm watching the playoffs game the playoff games this past two days and I'm like oh my gosh this moment this moment somebody gonna make a play and somebody gonna watch a play be made yeah but i tell you man yeah yeah but i tell you but um, how about when you came out of the tunnel though it was so different than anything that's going on right now so the energy for you to watch that on tv when you go back and watch these games yeah uh, i think you're going to be pretty pleased to see how what it was so electric <laughs> when you came out and you did that it didn't matter what fan what team you were watching you wanted to watch you in fact i met somebody who said uh, he played in the nfl for a bit and he said man when ray came out he didn't matter if i was on a different team he said everybody just wanted to watch him come out of that tunnel <laughs> bro and that's what's that's what's like so surreal with you know what you're congratulating me about this hall of fame bro because it's like come on doc let's just be honest and i told you this before you know when you're a kid like myself when you're poor when you got one pair of shoes, when life don't look bright every day, you know, when mom has her challenges and, 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 and you remember those days, right? But then when you get here, those days are like it was yesterday. Mm. And that's what I think why I'm, I'm stuck in the moment of really like looking at what change actually does. Like think about what, when I started to change my mentality, to really accept like, wow, like this is really happening. You know, like th there's a, I've once, I, I used to watch, you know, um, Ronnie Lotts and Lawrence Taylors and Joe Theismann and Joe, and, you know, I watch all the legends of legends. And, and then this country boy comes up and does enough to now be mentioned alongside of legends. You know, like, like it's, it's a surreal moment, man. So it's like when this Hall of Fame thing coming up, it's like, you know, my kids text me every other week, like, dad, this, this. I'm like, man, if you only knew it's, it's a humbling, it's a humbling moment um, to hear all the conversation that's going on. Yeah. And there have to be moments where you say, uh, I'm still me. Like, I, I, I'm me. But I'm when I hear this talk and I see these highlights and I see what people are saying and I hear my name being mentioned where it's being mentioned and the way it's being mentioned, there's still a part of you that's that little kid. That little the kid who was scrawny back in the day. We talked last time about not being big, pick, pick, playing, pick them up, bust them, and getting busted. <laughs> so there has to be a part of you that's still that little kid inside of you that's like, wow, I mean, this is happening to me. That's why, that's why, like, that's why I look at people sometimes when, they, when, they, when they're telling me how mean I am. I'm like, I'm not mean. I say, I'm not mean. I'm like, you know, they was like, oh my gosh, what you did to my Giants, what you did to my Steelers, all this. I'm like, listen, uh, it wasn't personal, it was only business, you know. <laughs> we were somewhere, you and I were somewhere, I think we were in New York somewhere, and uh, someone came up and said something to you about that. They're like, oh, I made what you did to my Giants. And you were like, it, it, it wasn't personal, it was just business. <laughs> it's just business. But I, but I tell you, man, like, um, you know, I was telling my kids, man, um, um, 
this artist I listen to, William Murphy. Um, I listen to him all the time, man. And he has this uh, he has this song called "It's Working." And in inside of that song, he said, "You know, this is my season for grace and favor. You know, and this is my season to reap all the things I've sold, Doc. You know, like I've sold into so many people, and I think coming into this new year." What I was able to do, I think, really for the first time in, in, in my life is I was able to sow into myself. Mm. You know, like a lot of times, just like yourself, man, you have a job that requires you to always give, give, give. Mm. But, I th- but I think sometimes we forget to give to ourselves. And it's really those quiet moments. And, Doc, between me and you, I have not turned on a radio in the last 30, 40 days, unless it's listening to some type of jazz. Mm. Every car I get in, I'm on watercolors. Like, I'm not going away because I want to keep my mind at such a pure place just to where, you know, because you deal with so much on an everyday basis. And so I said, how do I give back to me going into this new year? How How do I stop? Even though you have to heal so many problems, definitely when you have kids, right? right? You always got things going on when you got kids. So it's like, how do you find time for yourself? Well, and I say, you know what? I'm going to shut off all the windows, which is the avenues into me, and I'm just going to do me for a little while and see what that looks like. Just see what that feels like. And some days, Doc, you know what it was? Laying in my bed all day, making business calls with a gallon of water beside me. With my only thing to do the rest of the day is make business calls, pray, and drink water. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good to hear because I think so many people are so hard on themselves. I am, I know, when I don't get stuff done in a day, um, I'm always thinking I need to be getting something done. And there isn't a lot of that time that I need. And I think that's that's something everybody can learn from. I I think when. We talk about stepping back for ourselves or, or stepping back and taking that moment. That's something I think a lot of our listeners could benefit from hearing that it is okay to take care of yourself. It's kind of like the, um, analogy from an airplane when they say, if your oxygen mask comes down, make sure you put it on yourself first so that you can actually be breathing to take care of other people. Um, that's an important, that's an, I think that's a really important point but there was something else you said that is watch true wait 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 because watch out i'm gonna follow you up on that right just like the airplane mask think about what you have to do <clears throat> when a computer or when your phone is going berserk and it's just losing its mind what do you have to do to it to reset it turn it off you have to reset it yep so that's so sometimes we go so much in life and and people start to affect us because every little thing that somebody does irks you and you and you can't deal with work because this person is is getting on your nerves and this person is mad at you and all these different things. But sometimes it's just you actually hitting a reset. But well, let me link this back to your career. So I want to like so when, let's talk about first the idea of. When you do shut all that off, you're not a puppet to everybody, right? If we don't stop and listen, if we don't stop and check ourselves and we just get through the everyday, we just turn on the news, turn on the news, turn on the news, then we are bombarded with what other people want us to think, with what other people want to dictate our in our that's going to be in our mind. But when we turn that off, we have a chance in that silence to dictate what's in our minds. That's why I meditate first thing every morning. But I want to bring this back to your career because 
as a, even as a competitor for the Ravens, you went to stadium after stadium that were uh, where you were the visiting uh, team, and you heard tons of stuff. Even just as a Raven, let alone you being who you were and commanded so much energy from the crowd because you were going to be such a dominating force in the game. But you would hear stuff from stadium after stadium. So what did you do early on to help you be able to not be the puppet, not get fired up when fans are screaming what they're screaming at you? How, what did you do early on to not be that puppet? Man, this is funny that you say that <clears throat> because I created a line. I created something that happened. Um, we were sitting in Pittsburgh, ironically, and these people were saying, oh, my God, some of the craziest stuff ever. <clears throat> and one of my teammates, I won't say who it was, but one of my teammates said some stuff back and really defending me. And, and I looked at him and he asked me, he says, man, how do you deal with this, man? There's no way I could deal with this. And I said, look at me. This is in a battle. Uh, in a weird, weird, this was in a tough battle in Pittsburgh. I said, look at me. He said, you smiling. I said, absolutely. I said, let me tell you something about life. Let your smile, listen to me, doc. Let your heart represent your past, but your smile must represent your future. That mm. means nobody never know what you're thinking. Mm. <laughs> I love that. And, I love it. Nobody, I love that. And so when people would say things to me, I would smile so big <laughs> to never let, because why does someone hit you? Because they can, they can physically see you hurt. Right. So why would somebody yell? Because they want to physically see you respond. But when you respond with a smile, and then later on, it started to become, oh, my God, bless you. <laughs> and it shocks them because it's like, no, I'm not going to curse at you. Right. Really? I got kids. Really? Right. So much over that. You don't, you don't have to like me. I don't, I don't remember I've, I've always told you I don't live to be liked. I live to be respected. Yeah. And so when you, when you hear somebody disrespect you, you have a you have a, a chance to be, I call the bigger adult at times, mm. right? Because we're all adults, but I said be the bigger adult, and that's why I think my smile, you know, started to become kind of my mask. But they didn't realize that even when people say things about me in a in such a wrong way or whatever, it sparks me, like yeah. it gives me so much energy, because. For you not to know me and to speak about me, uh, that's a hypocrite, yeah. right? Because yeah. Yeah, you're speaking about something you don't know, but we get paid for the qualifications of things you're supposed to know. Right. You know, so it's like when you hear people talk, that's why people got to be very careful. And we talk about this all the time with social media. And that's why I say about the reset button. You have to have a reset button. If you don't reset, you will get caught up in everybody else's drama. And that's how I started to defeat drama when I was playing. I said, you know what they're doing? They are actually pissing me off. But I won't let them know that. Right. But because I know that, guess what I'm about to do? And and sometimes <laughs> I took some of that and I took it on the field with me. You know? <laughs> and and that's what you let it go at. And if and so but, but Which but is the that, right place to do it. And I think people yeah. who can't go out on the field can figure out a creative way to let their outlet yeah. out because I think it's good to hear, though, because 
it does affect us, right? It does affect us. When I go into yeah. prisons and people are screaming this and that, like, of course that energy is toxic. It's, it's tough to be around, but as long as you're taking care of yourself, you're able to be in control and not be everybody's puppet and not just be a puppet to what everybody has does. But I do think it's important to remind listeners that words matter, like what you're saying to people matters. So even though, yes, you could channel it in a, in a healthy way and you did that and that only made you greater, um, at the end of the day, those words did impact you. In some way, whether you channel yeah. it into greatness or not, and and I think people need to know that that words impact people. Yeah, I mean, listen, listen. Uh, the words will do more damage than anything. That's one thing about the power. Think about this: right? the power of life and death is found in the tongue. Mm. Like you can lead a nation through your tongue. That's what me and you talk about all the time. Mm. That people in this old cruel world. We judge people off their actions that never know their intentions. Yeah. <laughs> right? But but when you're when you're properly aligned to know when you have to reset yourself. That's just that's why I say I always go back to the phone analogy, right? Sometimes we got them phones and you'd be like, Man, what's wrong with this phone? Turn it off, reset it, start all over. Guess what? Oh, the phone is back working. You have to do that when you're dealing with people, when you're working with people, when you're when you're walking in hostile environments, but you can't let the people get the better of you. And that's kind of where I think I took my expertise of, of really knowing that good and evil actually exist at an all time high in our world right now. But if I was to ask you this question and I'm going to ask I'm going to ask everybody that's listening this question. If I had a, if you had to choose. To leave this earth being popular or remembered, which one would you choose? Remembered. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> see, see, that's the trick. <laughs> remembered, people that's remembered, right? There's a scripture I told you about, right? Many are called, few are chosen. Think about all of these minis of millions on social media that everybody want to entertain every day. And I can tell you to be careful to get caught up in the many, because the few are chosen, the few that's chosen, that the few that's chosen, chosen have books of remembrance. Hmm. Yeah, you can you can track their track record because of the things and the people that they've influenced in their lives. They've, they've changed. Well, and I think that's. Yeah, go ahead. Well, go ahead. I was going to say we're going to take a reset to go to a commercial. But when we come back. You said something last time that I think I think I really want to talk about, and that is who you are is what you're willing to chase, and you chased greatness, and you found greatness. And we're going to reset. We're going to take a real quick break, and then we'll be right back. So stick with us. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we're back. I we talk, We're talking about, I mean, the the... What do you want to be popular remembered? What, how do, what do you really want to leave? What kind of legacy do you want to leave? 
Last time we talked, you you made a great statement. You said who you are is what you're willing to chase. And I had a conversation with someone uh, a little, uh, about a week ago who was talking about, I said, look, we are not our thoughts. You are not your thoughts. So if I have thoughts, I don't understand. For me, I'm always fascinated that people get so angry when other people disagree with them because I'm not my thoughts. I might learn something new in the next minute that's going to tell me, okay, well, what I was thinking was off. Wow. And if mm-hmm. I really am open like that, then I'm not going to be attached. I'm not going to argue with somebody. I'm going to say, okay, this is what I believe in this moment, but I'm open to learning. So anyway, I, I was talking about that. We're not our thoughts. Well, what are we? And then I was looking and thinking back to what you said, which is who you are is what you're willing to chase. And the reason why that's so inspirational for me is this, and I think for our listeners, A, you chased greatness, and B, this allows every one of our listeners to understand you're not just who you were in the past, but you are right now who you're willing to chase, what you're willing to chase starting from this moment forward. So it's not, you're not done. Listen to what's funny. What's funny is what I've already done on the field is already done. What excites me is what the future holds for me. Hmm. Because, Doc, greatness, there's a secret to greatness. And I don't think a lot of people like to, like to let this ingredient out. But there's a secret to greatness. Greatness is consistency. Hmm. It's hmm. the one consistent thing that as great as you want to be, the lesser breaks you take. Hmm. Hmm. And it's Man, funny because can... that's so simple but so profound. And it comes back to you doing the push-ups with the playing cards. It comes back to you staying consistent, wanting to beat all your father's records in wrestling. It comes back to doing those little things over and over again from racing Kwame when you wanted to be, keep beating your, your buddy Kwame when you were young and you said, I'm just going to keep doing it. It was doing, as you've said this many times before, Greatness isn't one thing done well. It's a lot of little things done well over time. So I, that's a key. It's your hand. I mean, it's handing to people right now. If you want to be great at what you're doing, do this. In life, if, if, listen here, if you want to, if you want to really think about this, if you want to go to graduation with peace, then you got to tell worry you've already past the kindergarten. <laughs> yeah, you, you 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 can't you can't keep flirting with things that you know don't help you. Yeah. Like you have to flirt with things that help you, man. Like you have to you have to become in a real relationship with what patients look like. Like mm. like and feel like like you you have to you have to become a best friend of isolation. Mm. You, dog, you have to you, you have to give up. And this is a hard fact. You have to give up what you're surrounded around. How many people will give up that? It's hard that's, why I always, that's why I always tell you, show me your crowd, I'll show you your future. Because we're, because we're afraid to adapt. We're afraid to step out there and do something different. Doc, what I seen when I was a child at 14 years old, the same hungriness that was in my stomach Watching that sunset and, and, and remembering, trying to always remember how to recite our father's prayer. Well, guess what, Doc? At 42, 
and probably weeks away from walking in the Hall of Fame, I'm still reciting our Father's Prayer. <laughs> so my consistency of who I am, I was willing to chase. I've been chasing a relationship with God so long. But more importantly, Doc, I have not been chasing popularity. I've been chasing to be remembered because Proverbs says a great name is rather chosen than all of the riches of this earth. Mm. That's what I gave up. I gave up doing it wrong. I gave up that when people say something about me that I will lash out back at them. Why? Because I still must forgive them because they do not know what they do. And Ignorance is bliss. Yeah, and it's hard right? for people. Yeah. It's really hard. People, a lot of people can say say that, or will give lip service to that. But to be able to genuinely not talk, but to, you know, get your point back to somebody, that's really difficult, and it takes strength. So a lot of the physical strength that you endured through the, that you created for yourself through the years was it was preempted by all the mental strength of all the mental things you went through to get yourself in a position to be able to handle that. And then one plays off the other. You can't just work on your body. You've got to work on your mind. You can't just work on your mind. You have to work on your spirit. So you've got to have body, mind, spirit and work on all of them. You, I, I am I am at a place now where I want somebody that's listening to make up their mind to get to that place. And you know what that place is, Doc? I said it earlier. Take some time to sow into yourself for a minute. Man, push the reset. Go back and remember what you promised yourself. Hmm. Go back and remember what you wrote. Doc, I read a book. <laughs> oh, my gosh, Doc. Listen to this. I read a book that I had wrote in in 1996. Do you know what I wrote in that book? What? That I will be the greatest defensive player to ever play in the National Football League. This is in 1996, Doc. Wow. Do you have you man? You have I, that if you Doc, have that written I got, somewhere. I got so that's many books. Doc, I got so much stuff. It's it'll. Let me tell you something. Remember, I told you the hardest thing for me is to go backwards. So a lot of those things, my mother kept a lot of that stuff for me. So my mom got old art, old stuff I wrote. Man, it's so much stuff she has. But man, when that, I go that, back right in that book right there, though, that's a gem right there. A gem that is. A gem, doc. And 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 I could I could take it something else. That's a gem. They got me. There's some videos that I got um, in the last few days where in 19, 1997, 1997, they was asking me what it was like. Going to the pro, going to the Pro Bowl and playing with my idol, which was Junior Seau. Now they don't know that me and Seau. Oh my gosh, rest in peace. Oh my gosh, I love that guy so much. But they don't know the first day I get to Seau. You know, the first day I tell him, hmm. there's a new lion. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a new lion. Oh my god. And I and I didn't and I didn't say it in a disrespectful way. Right. I just said I just basically said I you are my Biggest, I'm, I I love you. There's, I played my game, is after Junior Seau. I told him straight up. I said, and for me to play in the Pro Bowl with you, I just want to challenge you with one thing. He, he said, what's that? I said, Junior, there's no way you can beat me to the football. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. So it's like, so it's like now, it's like now this thing of greatness. 
I'm starting to see it, Doc. And 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 that's what I'm telling people, man. Like when I when I push the reset button, when I I blocked my mind and I went on a quick fast and I just cleansed myself out and cleansed my mind out, and I was like, what? Oh, who is this person? <laughs> and I had forgot what that person was because I do so much for so many other people. I had forgot who I was. Let me I go back. Like, can we go yeah, back go to that Pro Bowl? I'm going to go back yeah. to that Pro Bowl on your first Pro Bowl and say, was it different for you the intensity level back then versus later on in your career for the Pro Bowl? Well, yeah. One of the reasons it was different is because when you when you're a rookie and you play your first year and you're playing with somebody as great as Junior Seau, you on every special teams. <laughs> so, 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 and something now you gotta think about this. Something I had did since high school, like punt return, kickoff return, all that stuff. That's but far as actually playing special teams at all, Dennis Erickson, University of Miami coach, 1993 when I got there. Dennis Erickson, they had me on kickoff. Dennis Erickson walked up there and says, "I want Ray Lewis on no special teams." We get to Baltimore. They got me on special teams at the L5, L5 next to Benny Thompson. Benny Thompson has me for the first three days like, man, this dude going to be a beast. <laughs> Ted Marcher, Ted Marcher, the head coach, rest in peace, walked up and said, I do not want Ray Lewis on no special teams. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the intensity level for me, being a kid, I was a kid. Like I, I was 21. I right. think I was 21 when I made my first Pro Bowl. And I'm playing with legends i'm playing with Derek thomas's and junior Seas. i can't believe that both of them were gone but i'm playing with these legends and i'm like i never forget this listen to this we get to the pro bowl me and eddie george heading out together we go to waikiki we walk in waikiki the crowd at the hotel in waikiki just erupts when they see Eddie George gets out of the car. Just erupts, Doc. Doc, I, I find myself probably 200 plus people in the back of the line while <laughs> this man is taking pictures <laughs> and signing autographs. No lie. No lie. And I'm waiting for him, and people are walking up to me saying, who are you? <laughs> like, like who? who do you play for? And I'm like, I'm like the Baltimore Ravens. They was like, Baltimore got a team? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh my gosh, man. And so it was, and so now we're having a different conversation when you talk about intensity, because I was just trying to really show them that I belonged. That 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 I promise you I can be like one of you guys. And and so yeah, man, intensity did change for me. Well, and 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 on and in terms of the game as well, like nowadays, I mean, they're they're don't I'm not seeing as a fan. I mean, we don't have to go in this direction, but I'm just telling you as a fan, I, we don't see the kind. There aren't there isn't Ray Lewis out there anymore. There there aren't those Junior Seau out there anymore. And uh, I hope some people step up and, and, and get into those roles, but we just don't see it the same way. But I'm just like, in terms of the team as well, uh, what with injuries and things like that, what, did it become different toward the end of your career going to those Pro Bowls than at the beginning? Because obviously at the beginning, like you said, you wanted to prove stuff. You're, But then toward the end of your career, they were coming up, yeah. everybody's surrounding you. Yeah, yeah. The end of it, it was... 
it was a different ride. You know, <laughs> you go to the Pro Bowl 13 times, Doc. You know, and then you start to get into, you know, like records and, you know, things that hadn't been done. And, you know, Junior's record was 12 straight, you know, 12 Pro Bowls. And, um, and so, you know, just to, to when you started going to, to, to 9, 10, you know, people at hotel, they know you by your middle name. You know, they, they, they know everybody, you know. And so um, you have the role started to change for me. You know, I was once a young pup, but now it was me sitting at the bar, you know, me and Peyton sitting at the bar with, with all the young kids now. And now we're telling the war stories and we're telling, you know, what has to happen from over here. And that's the transition you make, you know, as you go from being a pup, you know, to becoming someone who's, who's recognized many a times. And so, yeah, it changed for me, you know, I mean, dramatically, I mean, and so, but I, I started to enjoy them more, right? Because the conversations of sitting with a bunch of those young guys just sitting around the pool, giving them the knowledge on what's to, what's to come, it's, it's, it's a special thing. And, and there's a lot of kids, you know, some of them still playing now that I really poured into when I was playing, yeah. Mm. And what was it like for you to be on the same team with Peyton during those times instead of chasing after him? Me and, me, me and him used to always say, and this is something, I may get, try to get him on one day because that would be a heck of a conversation between me and him. But I used to always, me and him used to always sit down and say, how you know how to beat me? And I used to say, how you know how to beat me? I said, what you be thinking about? I said, I said, Peyton, I know what be going on in your head. And so we were, we were the best of friends, man. So we would always get into this, this, this mind game with each other and really try to figure each other out. And I think that's why we had so much fun with each other because we would really get over there and relax, man. You know, we have a couple of drinks and just lay back, man, and just really just let go. And I think that's when me and him became such close friends. <laughs> you know, you, you wouldn't think that we were so close, so close of friends, but every year, you know, we was always seeing each other if we right. were not playing the Super Bowls. Um, so it was and, special. And I can't, yeah. but I mean, I would love to, I, we, we should, I would love to have him on because to hear you two talk, I mean, the, the, you're the greatest defensive mind in the history of the game. He's got to be the greatest offensive mind in the history of the game. And the battles that you guys had against each other, knowing what you know as well as you know it. Like you said, you, you once said, I, you're not just defense, you know offenses is what you know. That's what you studied, right? Like, yeah. And he would probably then say he knows defenses and what they're doing. I would love to see you guys. That that would have to be that would be hilarious I, to what, listen I, to you guys. I'm 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 gonna tell you, <clears throat> let me tell you how smart he is. He's the one person that when you walk in the huddle, the one thing you say is, "Don't get mad when he beats you." <laughs> See, that's the, listen. That's the one thing you got to do with him. You cannot let him get to you because he's so technical sound, technically sound. That, that that man, let me tell you something, man. That's why I respect and have the love for that guy in ways that people will never imagine. Because when I played him, he made you respond. If you wanted to be great, well, then guess what? You're going to have to spend a lot of time on film on how to beat greatness. Mm. Because he was greatness, man. And I'm telling you, we used to go into games and I used to study his cadences. I used to study, you know, his step counts and when he going to let it off. Man, I used to study so much about him. And 
when I saw his genius on how to not only change the play, but change one right. Oh, he would he would he would make hitches go from eight yards to six yards. He would make comebacks. It's it's oh it's it's poetry. It's poetry. Yeah. But, but what did Omaha mean? <laughs> I heard him talk about it one time. He said Omaha Look, is a run and a pass listen, and a, a he, he don't he don't know what Omaha means. <laughs> he don't he done said Omaha so many times. That man don't know what that means. I walked up I walked up to the line. He talking about Omaha, Omaha, Mike fifty two. I said, Peyton, you ain't said the play yet. So what is you calling out? <laughs> now it's football. <laughs> man, I used to say, I used to say some of the craziest stuff you'll ever say in your life, man. But I tell you, bro, like, if 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 you think about, you know, what this whole thing is about, right? This this gold jacket, and you think about the moments of of being able to to battle against legends like that. I'm telling you, man, like him and him and him. Him, Brady, for a while, was just people that challenge you to chase greatness. Mm. And that's when I found out, going all the way back to how consistent greatness really was. Because it wasn't necessarily about being physical with beating Brady or Manning. You had to be 100%. You had to be dialed in. Yeah. Like, you had to be all the way in, man. And so, yeah, I appreciate everything that I, you know, the, the rivalries and the battles we had against those guys. And those, I mean, those Pro Bowls, that's, I mean, that's some of the stories that you have from that. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we got to hear, we got to hear another story that stands out to you from early in your career. Because remember, we got some time talking about this. I want you to think about it early on in your career. Stick with us. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. We're talking about, Ray, your ride to the Hall of Fame. This journey is a beautiful journey. And I think that we're blessed to be in a position to be able to talk about it, understand what's coming, reflect on your career. And as we're reflecting on your career, because this is really what greatness is all about. I mean, your career has exemplified greatness from day one. You've chased greatness. You caught greatness. You became greatness. And now, as you reflect on some of the memories that stood out to you early in your career, what are some of the best memories that stood out to you early in your career? Let me tell you something that I wish a bunch of young athletes take to heart. My first Pro Bowl with Derrick Thomas, and I just saw his, his sister and his younger brother at uh, the Unarmed All-American game this past week that I was a coach in against A.A. Reed. Mm. Um, but let me tell you something that you have to earn. You have to earn your stripes to be called a warrior. You can be a great talent, but Derrick Thomas, we walked in the Pro Bowl, i never forget it, me and Eddie George again, and Derrick Thomas was sitting at the bar with all the old schoolers sitting at the bar. And before I got to the bar, he screamed over to me, a hey, home team, that's what he used to call me, home team, don't you bring your young self over here you ain't earned it yet to get over here and listen to this now i could have took that as total disrespect but the next day he grabbed me we was lining up to play and he walked over to him grabbed me he said you understand what i was saying yesterday right he said you got me right i said i got you he said look at here show us what you can do 
And I said, wow. Mm. I said, guess what? It's, I said, game on. <laughs> game, game is on. And I'm telling you, man, the respect of players, the things in my career that I have heard Lawrence Taylor say about Ray Lewis, let me tell you something. You just want to know the highest compliment from a football player? Mm. From a football player. To hear what Lawrence Taylor said about you, mm. to hear what Ronnie Lott said about you, to play with Rod Woodson. Uh, let me tell you something now. That, that is what I remember the most mm. about my career. Mm. About what, but I, I never forget, we in Pittsburgh and I walk on the sideline and my granddaddy's favorite player of all time was Franco Harris. <laughs> and I walked over there, man, I was able to shake and shake Franco's hand, man. And Franco said, yes, a bad boy right there. <laughs> and, 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 I'm, and I'm listening, that's Franco now, that's Franco. You know, and, 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 and you talk about what I remember the most in my career. Man, I played with some warriors. I played with legendary warriors. Man, I played with guys that if they had to give you their leg, you can have it. And that's what I remember throughout my career, man. It's like now that I'm, I'm recapping everything, Doc, because you got to go back, right? I'm writing my Hall of Fame speech and so much. You got to go all the way back to when it first started. And what I'm starting to remember is, is some of the guys that gave me that one nudge. And guess what? It wasn't a nudge through money. It wasn't a nudge through working out with them, it was just a simple compliment. Mm. I tell my kids this all the time. You're always being watched. Even if you don't think somebody watching, you always being watched. And if I tell you if it was anything that I enjoyed about, that I enjoy about my career, is listening to people tell me the joy that I brought in their lives. This is, that's very powerful because that's the flip side of what we started with, talking about how with words can be so harmful, yet some of the greatest memories you have are were, were, would be a single compliment from someone to hear those things. I know what Lawrence Taylor said about call, telling you the great you're the greatest, um, Ronnie Lott saying that. So those single compliments through your through your career, that's what you enjoyed. I think that's huge because it comes back again to the power we all have of our language with our words. Now let me tell you what it done for me. Do you know what it started to do to my swagger? Mm. Like, it started to take my swagger and confidence through the roof. So, so one of my uncles, my uncle's right, so my uncle Rodis Jean came and stayed with me a few years when I was playing, one of my younger days. And, you know, I was, I was, I'm always a big animal planet person. So I'm always thinking about that lion on the Serengeti. Mm -hmm. And, and you gotta eat. You gotta eat, doc. And I started pull, pulling my jersey all the way up. And when I came out before that game started, I would come out there just jumping around like that lion, just ro roaming through people's lines and, and getting ready to start a war. I want you to say something to me. I'm looking for you, you know, <laughs> and, and, and those are the things. Those are the things that, that you remember, man, because your confidence of what somebody else said about you. Mm. You know, man, let me tell you something, man, like, man, Lorenzo Neal. Playing with a Lorenzo Neal, playing against a Lorenzo Neal, 
forever changed my life because of the brotherhood that came from it. Mm. You know, like I can go man for man. I can go all the way back to when my rookie young playing with a, a guy by the name. Nobody won't remember his name, but named Tim Gold. Tim Gold. Man, Tim, Tim Gold, man, was my defensive tackle in front of me. Now, Tim wasn't the biggest guy, but guess what Tim going to do? Tim going to give you everything he got. Mm. And when I got here as a rookie, who was I? I was the one guy to say, let's fight. Let's just fight. Mm. And, you know, we had so many different personalities coming from Cleveland. And, we, and the mentality sometimes was, you know, we always going to lose the big one. We always going to lose the big one. You know, and, and then I was, oh, my God, it was a privilege, a privilege to play with an Eric Turner. Mm. Oh, my gosh, rest in peace. I mean, man, E.T. was the most genuine person. If I can tell you somebody that forever changed my life as a young kid, he used to always tell me, God got something he want to do with you. Mm. I don't know what it is, young man, but you are special. Mm. And he used to always say, control that other side of you now, because you know you got another side of you too. You know? But he said, but, and, and like Stephon Moore and, and probably one of the greatest influences of just what old school work meant to me was Benny Thompson. Mm. Man, what Benny Thompson done for my career showing me what a work ethic looked like. Man, Benny Thompson didn't care what work felt like. You had to get it in. Man, this man was working out at 6.30 in the morning before training camps. <laughs> man, I'm telling you, Doc, it's just things. Like Antonio Langham, playing with Antonio Langham, man, and throughout my career. You know, and I'm going all the way back because I know we're going to, you know, hit on no, this. But that's why I like this. I like yes. this because this is what's so impressive, that you can go this far back. Oh, Doc, let me tell you something. I can tell you. I can tell you every person that played on my defense in 1996, I can tell you from the first two, the first team, second team, and third team, adopt because, mm. because it was something so rich in what I was trying to learn. Remember, I was a young pup. I was just trying to learn, but at the same time trying to learn, I was trying to lead because the culture coming from the University of Miami, all we knew was winning. But in Baltimore, we was, you know, in my first year, we four and 12. You know, we can't stop nobody on defense. 1994 in the Hurricanes, we had the number one defense in football in every statistical category. Mm. Every category. I mean, I played behind probably the most dominant defensive player in college football in Warren South. Like, I, I, I'm, like I witnessed just greatness. Like, right. wow. Right. So get to Baltimore and go through that type of transition. You're like, this ain't normal. Right, right, right. So you had to start changing the culture. And that's when Marvin Lewis became so crucial with me in my career, being my defensive coordinator my rookie year. And then having a legend like Maxie Vaughn as my linebacker coach. Man, mm. Maxie Vaughn coached me my rookie year. Mm. And I came in, and I'm about 215, 220 pounds, and I got probably 0% body fat, and I'm shredded everywhere, Doc. <laughs> and, and he looked at me, and he says, you won't survive three years in this league. And I said wow why would he say that to me and i and i asked him at the practice i said coach why would you say that he said because you look like a greek god you look like hercules <laughs> he said but if you and then he gave me a lesson he says at the linebacker position if you want to play a long career if you don't put 10 to 12 percent body fat on you you won't survive mm. he said there's no way you can pound that much and be hitting muscle on muscle every time you hit somebody. He said you must have fat to take on some of that pain 
that you were doing. So what was that like for you then to change your diet to being able to, that sounds like everybody's uh, dream situation is to say, hey, you got to put on some, get, you got to get some body fat. I think I, I would love to hear that. <laughs> well, now listen to this. Imagine the division I was in. I'm seeing Fred Taylor twice. Fred Taylor, 245 pounds. Mm. I'm seeing Jerome Bettis. Jerome Bettis, 250. He can be whatever you want to be. That's my boy. <laughs> <laughs> he was probably 260, 270 at the yeah, end of his career. And then you got Corey Dillon that you playing twice a year, another 240. Then you got Eddie George, 6'4", 240. So, Doc, I was, I, I, I was dealing with bruisers, mm. you know, and, and, and so I had to take my game. And then, you know, one of the guys who taught me that I better pick up my game and learn how to go, how to deal with a master of his game was Damani Dawson. Mm. Damani Dawson forever changed the respect of how I played this game mm. because of his skill and his technique. And Damani Dawson was so strong. Now he is not the muscle guy that you gonna think he walk around with a bunch of muscles bulging, but that Joker lower body was like a tree trunk, a oak tree, mm. just an old school oak tree, you know. And this guy used to make you play old school football. So, my man, I can go back so far because those lessons stick with me throughout life right now. Even in business, even in business, man, greatness is consistency. Mm. If you want to be great in business, become consistent in writing your plan down. Become consistent in not staying around and dealing with time wasters. Become mm. consistent in hitting the reset button and getting and keeping yourself refreshed instead of letting the world and outside influences get to you. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me ask you this: What on that when you did change and you had to change your diet to go up? What did you do? What kind of things did you have to do to be able to pack on that more weight? Everything I had to eat. I had to eat probably. I had to add like three or four like real big meals, um, and I had to lift like extremely heavy. But there's a trick to that um, because it's how you got to put it on. You just can't put it on because muscle weighs so much more, you become stiff. So that's why a lot of things, my cardio was more than anything, but that's what made it hard to keep on weight. But that's why you, you transition. And, uh, and then when I got with Shannon, I just took my, I took my weight up to my Super Bowl. Yeah, I was, I was two, 260 with 5% body fat. The first Super Bowl, you were 260. 260, 5% body fat. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I was I was a grown man walking around saying, Whatever you wanna say, just don't buckle up your tent scrap. <laughs> Cause it's gonna be pick 'em up, bust 'em. It's gonna be pick 'em up, bust 'em. <laughs> this is Look, awesome. Bro, this is so I much know. fun to hear. It's so much fun to yeah. listen to. We Yeah, uh, we, I know as, I know we wind I know we wind it down, so let me just leave you with this thought before we go. Remember, you know, everything that I'm talking about this ride to the Hall of Fame, February 3rd. Only God himself knew that that day would be existed. But just imagine this, Doc. If somebody told you, right, and that's why I said, pray for change. No more praying for things, right? Because if somebody asked me to trade one day of my life over, I wouldn't. And just imagine this. February 3rd will be the morning before Super Bowl 52. Mm. That my name can be put. That's crazy. That's <laughs> Nobody crazy. can draw that up, Doc. 
You're, Did you, I mean, you it's to, such a movie. Back, it's not you even funny. Go, you have to go all the way back to the first day God put his hand on my mother's belly for me to even be thought of. It's not. That's crazy. <laughs> that's not even. That's that's unbelievable. You got to be kidding me. So that's what I wanted to end with today, man. Like seriously, man. Like, like I've I've really started to spend some time and 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 stop worrying about little things and and just remember and watch what's happening in your life. Like, stop worrying about what's already happened and look at what's in front of you. And and that's what I'm focused on is what's in front of me. And now what's in front of me is the future and the opportunity. And so I, I, number 52, get to walk in Minnesota. And Doc, if the sun rises, my name will be etched in the Football Hall of Fame Mm. alone, the greatest men and legends that's ever played this game. Mm. And you tell me God ain't incredible? Mm. And you tell me sometimes that you got to go through some things and sometimes you got to get away from the wrong crowds and sometimes people got to dislike you in order for you to reach your own destiny. Mm. Suppose your destiny is tied with your criticism. Mm. (laughs) Suppose it is. Suppose your criticism is the fuel that makes you never take a break. Uh, Oh, uh, Doc. We gotta go. We gotta go. It's a new year, man. For me, like just to hear that 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 number that it's the fifty second Super Bowl. That's that's unbelievable. And that everything that leads to it. I, I, it reminds me of a story. There was a man on a deserted island, and all he had was one little hut. And uh, he went away looking for food one day, and he came back, and his hut was on fire, and he lost everything. And he was just like, this is the worst thing in the world. I can't believe it's all I had. I lost everything. And the next day, a boat came and saved him. And they said, the only reason why we were able to save you is because we saw the smoke from the fire. Sometimes the things we think are going to hurt us are the very things that make us. And you lived that in your career. (laughs) I lived it, man. And that's why, let me tell you something. That's why we're going to celebrate like no other, brother. God willing, that thing go down, man. Let me tell you something. You you, you talk about getting excited to win a Super Bowl. Let me tell you something. When somebody tell you you're one of the many that put in enough work to put on that gold jacket. Oh, man, my mama. Let me tell you something. This one person, boy, I'm waiting to see her face. Because I told her when I was 10 years old, I said, Mama. I'm gonna change this. <laughs> mm. Oh, this gonna change. It's, it a change. it's a dream. It's a dream. It's a dream so, come true. It's a real dream. 52. I appreciate you, man. Fifty-two. Unreal. 52. Yeah, baby. Hey, we're gonna keep it. We're gonna keep it going. I, I appreciate you. We'll talk um, to everybody out there. This is unbelievable to be able to be a part of Ray's journey to hear about this, to understand the legacy that he created, and to be able to understand the generations of players he played with the next time we talk we're going to talk about some of those different generations because it's going to be really interesting to look at the different generations that ray you played with through the years so we wish you all the best um, to everybody out there listening and uh, keep keep acting on the things that you want thank you for downloading the tackling life podcast for more tackling life content Go to TacklingLifePodcast.com. You'll find links to our pages on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and other podcast sites where you can subscribe and get to all new episodes automatically downloaded every week. When you visit the Tackling Life website, you'll find links to our Facebook and Twitter pages 
where you can give us feedback, questions, ideas, and suggestions. You can also call us at 646-762-4432. That's 646-762-4432. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. Until next time, for the legend and soon-to-be Hall of Famer, Ray Lewis, I'm Dr. Christian Clark. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.